0: you're listening to the turn again ministries podcast with evangelist aaron pratt turn again ministries is based out of fellowship baptist church in clark lake michigan and is dedicated to bringing america back to its godly heritage let's prepare our hearts as evangelist aaron pratt brings forth god's word to us today
1: brother Corser asked me to give an update on our ministry and the things that the lord has been doing well, I'm sure, as you have predicted, uh, the coronavirus has kind of set things off course. We had a rather busy schedule from, um, from about the time of when the Christian school revival uh, was going to take place until um, next week, but every single thing got canceled. Um, I had two full week-long revivals and they got canceled and um, some messages uh, here and there, some pulpit supply here and there that was uh, supposed to happen but didn't happen. Um, Of course, uh, you know why churches can't really meet or um, there's so many restrictions right now. So one of those four-week revivals will be rescheduled, Lord willing, uh, sometime in the summer. Um, It is a church, um, Pastor Markle, it is a church over by where where, uh, Billy will be pastoring. Over in the thumb, um, then there are many times preached there more often there than anywhere else besides fellowship Baptist Church. So um just pray for that revival that though I don't know when that will be, that will be probably sometime in the summer. um as far as our ministry is concerned, that's the ministry of ev- revival and evangelism. That's pretty much where it is. Um, I don't have anything on my schedule. I used to get very discouraged about that, but I'm not discouraged about that anymore. Um, I don't go through periods of discouragement about our ministry like I used to, simply because it's not my ministry, it's the Lord's ministry, and He will give me as few or as many meetings as He would like, and so I will just dwell in contentment with that. Um, I am learning both how to abound and how to um, how to be abased. Um, The Lord is teaching me how to be content, even in things like this, um, um, our ministry. Of course, I don't know how many of you um, have remembered some things that I presented to you a while back concerning the future of our ministry. um, Concerning the future of our ministry. Um, There is something that the Lord has placed on our hearts. I just want to remind you of that so that you can be in prayer about it. Um, To very quickly explain, God has placed on my heart a ministry um, where it will be a safe house for those who are suffering in the ministry. It will be a safe house where we can invite folks in who are in the ministry that are either suffering physically, suffering spiritually, which we we all suffer spiritually. In other words, we feel a strong need for revival, a pastor who uh, somebody in the ministry who feels that, or someone who is suffering emotionally. Uh, many people in the ministry go through a lot of hard trials and a lot of uh difficult circumstances. Um, The motivation for this, the seed for this was planted um, about a year ago and then the Lord, uh, a little less than a year ago actually, and then the Lord really grew that um, and showed us that he would like us to start up this ministry. This is a ministry that is a rather new ministry. It's not just a safe house. It is a ministry, a place that will be centered around revival, around teaching people Not going through a program, but providing people a platform um, to where they can learn how to suffer well. Not that I'm the expert of suffering well, but I know the expert um, who suffered well. And so when we learn how to suffer well, we can take the things that God is putting us through those hard trials and those hard circumstances, and rather than just go through and survive, we can thrive in it and we can learn so very much. We can follow the path of Jesus and we can follow the path of the Apostle Paul and follow the path of many others who have gone before us and suffered very much. And so that will be the focal point of that ministry. That ministry is centered around revival. We see those who are suffering revived And learn how to live in a state of revival. They can then go back to their individual ministries. And who knows the worldwide effect this ministry um, will have. This is the Lord's ministry. I know that. This is the Lord's see. This is the Lord's calling. This is the Lord's ministry. And so he will make it happen in his timing. I don't know when that timing will be. And so we are still in the ministry of revival and evangelism. But he will make that... um, He will make that happen what we need though is we need the groundwork for it we need land we need building we need things like that and so if you can just pray in that direction we can't really have a place for people to meet a ministry for people to meet if we don't have a place for people to meet so if you can just be in prayer about those things continue to pray not just that the lord would open doors for me to go and preach and minister in churches but also that Also, that uh, the Lord would continue to open or start to open doors for this um, other ministry of revival. Um, Okay, so the message today will be in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not going to, that is our ministry update. Um, I'm going to give you guys a... An opportunity to see something that might be a disaster and might be a blessing to your heart. I don't know, but I'm going to call my little girls in and they're going to sing some scripture to you. So if you guys can let me just get set up here. Are you guys gonna be a blessing or a disaster? What's it gonna be? Blessing. A blessing, okay. Blessing. Alright. No. Okay, right.
0: We first
1: house
0: here
1: the and His And all these will shall be added it to you. the of five A I'm home. the I'm sure the Lord. I Tell the Lord His Come before oh, His oh, singing.
0: No, He's oh, the
1: Lord. He is God. And not in ourselves, and we are his people, and the
0: sheep of his pastures enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his home world with, Christmas, Christmas, and his
1: home with praise. And okay, it, and with and his name. For the Lord, he is good, God. and his mercy. And, and its truth to all. Yeah. All right, that was probably uh, a little bit of both, disaster and I hope it was a blessing. A bit all right, guys, you guys get out of here. <laughs> all right we are in hebrews chapter 11. ben vincent was in hebrews chapter 11 uh for sunday school if you miss those um i highly recommend that you that you go ahead and um and go back and listen to them he did a wonderful job cutting the scripture and um bringing forth some aspects of hebrews chapter 11. yeah ella's blanket that's so funny We're in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Our heavenly father we thank you for scripture we thank you for your goodness to us lord we thank you for your mercy to us we thank you for your grace to us we thank you for the coronavirus lord we are commanded that in all things to give thanks and so we thank you for the coronavirus lord we just ask lord that you would use these trials and afflictions in this country in the individual lives and as a our, our nation as our as a whole lord as we see so many threatening things happen lord we just ask that you would use it as something that would stir revival in my heart and that's something that would re- stir revival in the hearts of christians around this country heavenly father we pray for healing for those suffering with this disease We pray for spiritual healing for those suffering from the diseases of sin. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we pray and ask that you would use this as as a source of revival for us, Lord. We are in great need of revival. And Heavenly Father, I pray for this message this evening, that you would allow the internet to work well, allow things to continue to work well, and that we would, You would meet very special with us this evening. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. If we were to look at Hebrews chapter 11, we know it as the great hall of faith. We see the many people mentioned in Scripture, some of these people, like Enoch, we know very little about, but we see these people mentioned in Scripture as being notified and significant because of their faith. We see the introduction verse of Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then we see another key verse in this scripture, in this passage in Romans chapter 11. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we were to take this verse in verse number 6, I would say that verse number 1, in my own mind, that verse number 1 would be the introduction to Romans chapter 11. And for those English people out there, Romans chapter 6 would be the thesis statement, the bedrock that that dwells in practically every single verse that follows in Romans chapter 11, and so does uh, Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. But if we were going to look at these passages of Scripture and see the foundation, we see all the way back in verse chapter number 10, because chapter number 11 starts out with, Now faith. Well, it starts out with now faith because there's something that proceeds before that that tells us why the writer of Hebrews is continuing on into this subject of faith, which the book of Hebrews is a book about faith. We look back in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 32, the Bible says, But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, after ye were saved, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. When you enter into the kingdom of God, when you enter into this, this Christian life, you, you enter a battlefield. You cross the river Jordan, and you enter the land of Canaan, and that land of Canaan is full of battles. It's full of foes. It's full of walls. It's full of things that will trip you, possibly trip you up. This is a battle, and so when we enter the Christian life, we are not entering a place of rest. No, not yet. We look for rest, but we're not entering into a place of full rest yet. We are entering into a place with a great fight of afflictions, The writer of Hebrews continues on, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. So the writer of Hebrews, which it's really hard whenever I read verses like this, in verse 33 and verse 34, it's really hard for me to not see Paul in this. And if it wasn't Paul who was the writer of Hebrews, then it was somebody who could have been kindred spirits with Paul. For he says, For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully to the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring uh, substance. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that you entered into the Christian life, you had a great trial of afflictions, you were saved, but you were still battling in this Christian life, and then you received afflictions. And there were two kinds of afflictions you received. You received afflictions because you were simply saved. You were in Christ. You were a child of God. And then there were voluntary afflictions. You partook of afflictions with me, the writer of Hebrews says. You you chose in yourself to spoil your own goods in this life, knowing that you have a more enduring substance heavenward, knowing that the substance that you have in this life will all burn up one day anyway. And so you decided that you had a much greater substance in heaven if you were to just give up your goods and relieve the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so because of their choice, and relieving themselves of their own good to relieve the burdens of the writer of Hebrews, because of their choice, they chose to be afflicted for the cause of Christ. They believed that their cause for Christ was so real, and that their recompense of reward in heaven was so certain, that the surest place they could invest their own goods was in the stock market of heaven. Oh, how great a recompense of reward we have when we invest our lives and we invest our lives into the stock market of heaven. The stock market on earth will always crash. It's always a gamble. But when you invest for eternity, when you spoil your goods for eternity, oh, it's a sure stock market that you will always come back with returns, a more enduring substance that you won't see, most likely on this side of earth. But you will most certainly see, because He's faithful that promise, you will most certainly see on the other side of this life. In verses 35-39, the writer of Hebrews then reminds reminds the Hebrews, says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. The Christian life is a long-haul race. Oh, in some respects, it's a sprint. You don't know when your last breath will be taken. You don't know when your heart will stop beating. You sprint to the finish line. But that finish line though you sprint, is a long ways off for most of us. You run it with all your might, as if you are running a sprint, but it is actually a marathon. And between the starting line and the finish line, there are many obstacles. There are many distractions, and there are many discouragements that have caused many of Christians who started out well to be tripped up, to run off course, to be tripped up by the obstacles, to run off course by the distractions, and to quit running altogether because of the discouragements. And the writer of Hebrews, almost called him Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, Remember the sacrifice that you made before. Remember you had a great, you, you minded the great recompense of reward. Remember those former days. And don't forget those former days, because you're in a marathon. Be patient. Continue to sprint this marathon. Continue on. Don't give up. Don't draw back into perdition. It's a long haul. Don't be distracted. Don't be tripped up. Don't quit running because of discouragement. Remember the former days. Remember the sacrifice of faith. Don't waste it. Hold to it. You've not reached the finish line yet. You will receive the promise of reward because He's faithful that promise. You will receive the enduring substance though you've not yet received it don't draw back now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen it is the motivation by which a christian the proper motivation by which a christian serves the lord the only rewarding motivation by which a christian serves the lord it is a motivation for that which is unseen but it is a motivation that will always materialize on this earth If you have faith in Christ, there will be evidences of that faith in Christ. God will ask you to take steps in this Christian journey. And those steps are the evidence of your faith. Now faith is not something that cannot be seen and observed by those around us. Now faith is a substance. It's something that you can see, something that you can touch, something that you can identify. It's the substance of things hoped for, that enduring substance in heaven. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Just as we believe that all that exists was created and sustained by an unseen hand so it is the same continual belief that my daily walk of faith in this christian life is both created and sustained by an unseen hand i look around me and i see the trees and the sky and the stars and the heaven and i understand that i didn't create that the man didn't create that that no it didn't just come here by accident And so I look at my life as a Christian, and I understand that I didn't create this. It didn't come by accident. No other man created this, that God created this walk of faith. I can't see it. If I could see it, it wouldn't be faith. But an unseen hand, just like an unseen hand consists and holds together all that is around us and all that has ever been created and ever will be created, an unseen hand creates and sustains and holds together this Christian walk of faith. Verse 4. Ben Benson did an excellent job cutting through verse number 4 in Sunday school. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. He being dead, yet speaketh. Abel believed this. Abel believed that there was something far greater that he couldn't see. And the evidence of his faith was materialized in the type of sacrifice he gave. Cain didn't believe it. Cain didn't believe in the unseen hand. He believed that it was all about him. That he consisted by himself, and that he was sustained by himself, and that he needed to figure it out for himself. And so it was a sacrifice that God rejected. But Abel, Abel understood this before scripture was ever even written, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And now he, because of his short life, is known by every Christian who's ever read the book of Genesis. His name and his story is known, because he being dead, yet speaketh. And many of you out there sitting here, sitting in front of this live stream today, you are trying to have a life that speaks. You might not consciously think of it, but you are. Oh, we we are always comparing ourselves among ourselves. We're always looking to others, and we're always trying to maybe be the most popular. We want to be recognized for something, recognized for being more good-looking than someone else. And so we spend all of this time going to the gym, when coronavirus ends, go into the gym, all of this time on vain things, because we want others to see how good we look. Spend all of this time on hair products and makeup products, on vain things, because we believe that those outward appearances are what's, Speaks into the lives of other people. That's how we want to influence people understand Christian that the only thing that will endure in this life and in the next life the only thing that will truly speak that which is Acceptable in the eyes of God is your faith Not your hair not your makeup not the way that you look not the clothes that you wear those things are irrelevant yet we as christians we are so focused on trying to make a mark for ourselves in this life trying to let others observe our great abilities <sighs> trying to trying to prop ourselves up and show others how successful we are Oh, we want others to know that we're successful, and so we go into large debt for this thing and for that thing, so that others can know how successful we are. Those things will all burn up one day, and then where will you be? And when you are buried in the grave, those things that you spent so much time focusing on will burn up with you. But the only thing that will speak, the only thing that will speak in this life that will actually make a difference and speak in the next life and in generations to come is not your hair, is not your popularity, is not your makeup, is not the way that you look, is not your personality, is not your, your abilities, and is not any of those things like your success, It's not being a Bible scholar. We know about Abraham, and we know about Abel, and we know about Moses. But what the Bible doesn't say is that they're Bible scholars. Oh, it's important to know this book. But the ones whose lives echo from this generation to the next are not those who are notified as being Bible intellectuals. But they're the ones that are notified as being men and women of faith. He being dead yet speaketh. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after, except your faith. This is the only one thing that will speak beyond the grave, beyond the people who knew you personally, beyond your, it is your faith. Your faith is the substance that will have the greatest influence today, the greatest influence tomorrow, and the greatest influence for all eternity. You may not see evidence of it today. You may not see and receive the great recompense of reward today. And that's okay. You're in good company. The whole book of Hebrews chapter 11 talks of people who didn't receive the recompense of reward for the faith, the faith of the steps of faith but that they took, but closed their eyes in their final breath and when their hearts stopped beating they still believed that God was faithful that promise and that they would receive the recompense of reward though they didn't receive it in this life. He is Without faith it is impossible to please him for they for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, believe that he is, not believe that he was, that he was that God for Moses, and he was that personal God for for David, and that he was that God of judgment for Ananias and Sapphira, but that he is that God, that personal God, that God of judgment today, that he is that, not that he will be a God of judgment, not that he will be a conquering king, not that he will be the one who conquers all things, not that he will be those things, but that he is those things today. Not that he is to saints of old, those saints that are in this book, the saints that traveled before us, those missionary stories that we read about, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is to me today. That he is. Not that he is to just certain special people today. We as Christians, we have this thing as human beings. We all do. We compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says this is not wise. So we look at certain people in the ministry. We're all in a capacity of the ministry if you're serving Christ. We look at certain people such as preachers and evangelists and missionaries and those who are on the forefront, those who get the most recognition for things. We look at them as more special, but they're not. We look at pastors and preachers as those who have greater access to God on account of them being pastors and preachers. They may have more access than you, and they may have more less access than you to God. But it has nothing to do with what God has called them to do, and with what God has called you to do. But it has everything to do with how you approach God, and how I approach God. It is impossible to please God without faith, for he that cometh to God, approaches God, must believe that he is. Has nothing to do with your standing in this life. Has nothing to do with your past and how ugly it is. It has nothing to do with, with how talented you are and how gifted you are. If you want to please God, and if you want to enter into his presence, you must approach him by faith no one is more special in the eyes of God than another we were all bought by the same precious infinite eternal sacrifice whether you're a Moses a David a Charles Spurgeon or a no-name person that nobody has ever heard of you were bought all with the same blood And so all of us are as special, and one of us is as special in the eyes of God as another. So don't think and look at yourself and feel sorry for yourself that you can't access God the way that another man or another woman can. The opportunity is equal for all God. It's an equal opportunity, God. And the only way that you have to access Him is through faith. It's the same thing. It's the same rule for everybody. The rules aren't different for me. The rules aren't different for Pastor White. The rules aren't different for anyone. The rules are the same for all. We must access Him by faith. And the Bible tells us what kind of faith that is. It is that we should believe that He is. That He is to me. That He is present right now. On the present. That He is all-wise. And so that if He is all-wise, Then I can go to Him when I have a problem. I have problems. I have have questions. And you have a God that has answers and gives you and delivers you answers through this book. But the problem is is that you and I don't go to Him. We don't go to Him for the wisdom that we need. We go to the internet. We go to this person. We go to that person. We go to the bank. We go to all of these different self-help things. Instead of going to the only one that can truly help you. The only one that is all-wise. And we don't do that. We don't seek the All Wise One first because we actually don't believe that He is. That He is always good, that He is. All powerful. And so, whatever your situation is, however far gone it seems and however impossible it is, you serve the God of the impossible. Not the God that was the God of the impossible, or the God that will be the God of the impossible, or the God that was only the God of the impossible for Moses, or the God that was only the God of the impossible for the apostles, but the God that is the God of the impossible. Today, He's all-powerful. You have need, God has the power to deliver that need to you. But in order to access that, you must access Him by faith. You must believe that He is, He's the one who holds tomorrow. Tomorrow is uncertain, tonight is uncertain. He is the one who holds tomorrow. The Democrats and the Republicans don't hold tomorrow. You don't hold tomorrow. You couldn't keep tomorrow. None of us could hold or keep tomorrow. Nobody knows what tomorrow will bring, but we know the one who knows what tomorrow will bring and knows how to keep tomorrow in the palm of his hands. We must believe that he is the one who holds tomorrow. We must believe that he is holy. We must believe that he is a friend. We must believe that he is a judge for our sins. Oh, and we must believe that He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. My faith isn't good enough. I can access God and learn all of these things about God, and I can be a Bible scholar of who God is, and that He's omnipotent, and I can give you all the verses, and so on and so forth, and I can be the smartest Bible man alive, but if I don't believe that He is those things to me, what good is it? We must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God can be all-wise as a doctrine of the Bible, but if I don't believe that He will reward me with that wisdom when I diligently seek Him, what good does it to me? God can be all-powerful, but if I believe that self-help books, the bloggers on the internet, and the bank is the way to solve my problems, that God is somehow all-powerful, but He hasn't availed that power to me, I don't believe then that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, then what good does it to me that He's all-powerful? Even if I believe that He is, that's not, that's not the end of it. I must also believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You can believe that God died for the whole world and that He rose again the third day. You can believe that He he paid the penalty on the cross for for the whole world's sins. But if if you don't make that your own, if you don't include yourself on the one uh, that Jesus Christ died for, then what good does it to you? God didn't just die for the whole world, he died for you. God didn't just love everybody else, but he loved you and so many so many people have been doing these works in the church and they're they're trying to fill a void inside of themselves and it's always emptying out because the void is always there. It's a it's a it's a bucket with holes that goes right out every time you do those works. You never feel fulfilled because you don't have the one inside of you who fulfills all things. Because you've never made the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ personal to you. That Jesus Christ died, not just for the whole world, that he loved, not just the whole world, but that he loved me. And he died for me. I invite you. I plead with you. If you're a soul that's listening right now and you feel this emptiness and this void inside and you realize that you've made a profession with your mouth about Jesus Christ but that you've never actually made it personal to your heart. That you've never grasped that and you've never believed, you believe that He is the Savior but you don't believe that He's your Savior and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why don't you bow your head right now? You don't have to wait for me to finish preaching. You don't know if you have that long why don't you bow your head right now and ask jesus to save your soul from hell telling him that you believe that he is your savior and you know if you come to him and confess your sin believe that he died on the cross was buried and rose again proving himself to be god and that all of your sins were nailed to the cross And that you can be saved from hell for all eternity. If you believe that in your heart, then Jesus will reward you with eternal life. Why don't you bow and ask Jesus to save you now? How often have I come to God believing that He is, but also believing that just because I sought Him, does it mean that He could be merciful enough to show Himself to me? I trusted more in my sins separating me than in his faith reconciling me. I trusted more in my own works than in his grace. So I'm going to say that again. How often have I come to God? I open my Bible of devotions in the morning, and I come to God believing all of these things about him, really believing that he is, but also not believing that Believing that just because I sought Him doesn't mean that He will reward me with those things about Himself. That just because I believe that He's all-wise doesn't mean He's going to give me the wisdom. Oh, how often have I come to Him believing that my sin has separated me further than the grace of God can reconcile me. How often have I own, trusted in my own works more than in the grace of God? Oh, that is not a faith that pleases God. Because I did not believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And by it the elders obtained a good report. And so they, being dead, yet now speaketh. And they have made their mark from generation to generation. And for all eternity they, being dead, yet now speaketh. And the first one that's mentioned after verse number 6 is Noah. Verse number 7, we see by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah believed that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He believed that he is all-knowing, and that what he says must surely come to pass. Noah believed that he is an a holy God. He believed that he is the governor among the nations. He believed that he is the God that judgeth the earth. He believed that he is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He believed that he is to be feared above all gods. And may I pause for just a moment. We have... A lot of Bible Christians, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm concerned that we have a whole lot more political Christians. And what I mean by that is that they are so obsessed with politics, and so obsessed with the Democrats and the Republicans, that they have forgotten about the One who is in control of all of our liberties. They have forgotten about that which actually makes a difference. Can I submit to you that you would not have a Barack Obama as President of the United States if the church had been doing its job to begin with? We would not have a Nancy Pelosi and a Chuck Schumer in the White House. And we would actually have more godly Republicans in our Senate halls and in our House of Representatives. And we would have more godly governors around this nation if the church had been doing its job in the first place of preaching the gospel to every creature and then baptizing and discipling the same. Yet we somehow believe that we as Christians, we we need to engage in this political sphere, not realizing that Chuck Schumer needs the grace of God and he needs to be saved. That our governor in Michigan needs the grace of God and she needs to be saved. And we can argue all day long about politics, but it makes no difference at all. If they're not bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, they cannot help us. If they're not bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, our freedoms will continue to diminish, and they will continue to be, to be thrown away in this country unless the church gets focused on what really matters. The greatest impact that you can have politically in this world is just to be a Bible Christian. To just go and preach the gospel. And just go and disciple those who have been recently saved. And we can see God do the impossible and turn this nation upside down for Christ. But we will never see that. The way that most of us are engaging as political Christians. Noah waited 120 years to see the promise fulfilled when he was faithful, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then we see another example of the faith by faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham believed that God is faithful and that he's faithful to him, and that he would reward him for diligently seeking him. He believed that he is the God. He he received the promises that God gave to him, but he never saw it realized. God gave him promises, and he confirmed those promises, but Abraham drew his last breath. His heart stopped beating, and he still never saw the promises fulfilled. He never saw them materialize. But he still believed that God would fulfill his promises, as sure as if he'd already fulfilled it. Many of you go through trials and make sacrifices and after a long walk of not seeing any fruit from that trial of sacrifice you made for God. As if that sacrifice, by the way, is in any way comparable to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on the cross when he left his throne of glory and came down into the earth and died and was ridiculed and was mocked and was scorned. But many of us, we go through a great trial of sacrifice that we've made for God. Either it came to us, or we willingly sacrifice. And you expect to see the recompense and reward in this life. And many of you don't see that. You see, in Hebrews chapter 10, those who spoiled their goods understood that they weren't necessarily going to receive a recompense and reward in this life, but they had a more sure enduring substance in heaven. And so did Abraham, as he looked at the promises of God, and I believe he grew to believe that God would reward him with a great and enduring substance in heaven. The problem with this is that while there are examples of afflictions be rewarded in this life, most remarkable like Job, there are a number of examples of men who never saw the fruit from their sufferings. Men like Paul, men like sufferings in this life, men like Jesus, men like Abraham. But like those saints mentioned in chapter 10, like Jesus who for the joy that was set before him they looked not for an earthly recompense, but for a heavenly one. Like Abraham, as he grew in the Lord, he came to realize that there was a far greater reward in heaven. And so, if this, his recompense, or the reason for his suffering, were not revealed on this side, then his recompense would be received and be revealed thereafter. The Abraham believed that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then we see Moses. You can go through and you can apply Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that they that please God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And those who are in Hebrews chapter 11 are there because before this verse was ever written, they believe that God is and that He is a reward, rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Oh, Moses had great recompense of the reward in verse number 24. When he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Too many Christians have respect to the recompense of reward in this life. You know that this Christian life, it will cost you much, but you'll gain so much more. You can lose all that you have in this Christian life, and many Christians have. And if you're going to truly walk this walk of faith and surrender all to God, then you must must resolve in your heart and in your mind that you're willing to give up all. That your life is not your own, and that it is the life of Jesus Christ. And it could cost you much, it could cost you little. And you might get some back, and you might get little back, and you might get none back. But you are certain, you are certain, if you walk this walk of faith, if you walk this this Canaan land in the walk of faith, taking steps of faith, believing that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, then you will gain so much more that's untouchable inside of your heart that Jesus Christ will reveal to him to you about himself. And you will gain so much more, a much more enduring substance in heaven. Time fails me to tell of Rahab. (laughs) And as we close out this chapter... We see, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barat, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, because they believed that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. They wrought righteousness, obtained promises, because they believed that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. They stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the army of the aliens. Women receive their dead raised to life again because they believed that he is the resurrection and the life, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, willing to believe that there's a much more enduring substance in heaven a better substance. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, eh? moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, or they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, because they believed that He is their habitation, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report because of their faith, through faith, received not the promise, but still believed that they would receive the promise, because they believed that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect, believes that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is become my salvation. And He rewards me with eternal life whenever I diligently seek Him for that, and confess with my mouth, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is thy life and the length of thy days when I love and obey Him, believing that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is the rock in this unstable world. He is a jealous God and a holy God. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is a buckler. A shield that covers my whole body in this life where Satan is constantly throwing his darts toward me. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. He is good for his mercy endureth forever. He is good for his mercy endureth forever. Over and over again the Bible says he is good for his mercy endureth forever. He is wise in heart. You have a problem Christian. You go to him. You believe that he is wise in heart. Not the internet. Not this other man. But that Jesus Christ will deliver you his wisdom when you diligently seek him, because he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is mighty in strength. Are you weak? Oh, he's strong. If I speak of strength, lo, he is strong. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. He is the governor among the nations. He is the king of glory. He is the saving strength of his anointing. He is our help and our shield. He is ever merciful. He is their strength in the time of trouble. He is greatly exalted. Or are our problems like the coronavirus greatly exalted? Oh no, my God is greatly exalted. He is a God that judgeth in all the earth. He only is my rock. In my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. He is my refuge and my fortress. He is to be feared above all gods. He is holy. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. He is altogether lovely. You need a friend. You have a friend of the one who is altogether lovely. Mm. He is strong in power. He is near that justifieth me. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He is just having salvation. He is the living God. He is risen from the dead. Praise the Lord. He is the mediator of a better covenant. He is the propitiation for our sins, for my sins. He is our peace. He has become my salvation. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. He is risen from the dead. He is glorified. He is gracious and merciful. Praise the Lord. Slow to anger and of great kindness he repenteth him of the evil he is all of these things to me and he will reward me with these things as I diligently seek him and believe that he will reward me he is able in this messed up crooked world even to subdue all things unto himself and he will because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings they must they that please God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I heard recently someone say, in heaven there, there maybe is a little room, a big room, full of the promises of God that are unclaimed. Christian, you and I have many unclaimed promises of God waiting in heaven, waiting to be snatched, waiting to be claimed for ourselves, but the only way to access them is to believe that He is, and to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You have taken the step to believe that He is, but if you haven't taken the step to believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, that He will reward you, and that all the things that He is will become things that He is to you, then you do not please God. Regardless of how big your faith is about how much you believe that He is, you don't believe He'll reward you with those things that He is. You do not please God. You do not have a life that will echo into eternity. You have unclaimed promises in heaven. You have uncashed checks waiting for you in heaven, Christian. Why not cash them today? Why not begin to take the walk and the steps of faith today? When you step out and you say, I'm going to choose to believe that God is who He says He is. And that when I believe that, I believe that He can be that to me. Not just to this other guy over here, but that He can believe that. He can, I can believe that to me. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I encourage you to take the things that God has spoken to you about as I close this live stream. Don't let it slip away. Don't let yourself forget about it. You meditate on the things that God has revealed to you. You meditate and you take these things and you ask God how you need to change. And He will change you. If you come to him, he will come to you. If you confess to him, he will receive you. If you. Confess to him your lack of faith, he will receive you, he will embrace you, because he's altogether lovely, he's a forgiving God, he's full of compassion, and he's merciful. Why don't you do that today? Choose to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder
0: of them that diligently seek him.